Hi, it's Father Rick, and I want to welcome you to St. Michael's Episcopal Church. I'm really glad you found us. Please know that we accept you wherever you are on your spiritual journey, and we trust that God will take you where you need to be, right in God's timing. We're just glad that you're here with us, and we hope you enjoy today's sermon. God bless. Father, you are here and we are here. May we be here together now and be conscious of your presence with us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. Good morning, St. Michael's. I'm going to preach up here today. So my father was a Marine during the Vietnam War. And uh, among other places, for a time he was stationed at the demilitarized zone, or the DMZ. That was the line that separated North and South Vietnam at the time, of course. My father was actually not drafted, as many young men were during that time. He did not go to war against his will. He volunteered. As a matter of fact, he was 19, and he was in college studying accounting. So when he told his parents, my grandparents, that he was signing out of college to sign up for the Marine Corps to go to Vietnam, they freaked out. My father's father, my grandfather, who saw naval combat in the Pacific Theater in World War II, I spent nine and a half years in the Navy, I did not see the things that he saw, begged my father not to go, in tears, begging him not to do it. My father was a stubborn man, and he was decided and nothing and no one was going to stop him from going. However, my father went on false pretense. He didn't know what he was getting into. As a child, my dad wouldn't tell me many stories, but he told me this. He said, Greg, I wanted to go to beat John Wayne. It was when his boots hit Vietnamese soil, he realized that this was not the movies. He had a reality check that this was more than what he signed up for. Have you ever experienced a reality check in your life? You ever had one of those? You know, when you realize that something may be more than what you signed up for, that things turned out to be different than what you expected, right? you may have thought it was going to be absolutely wonderful. Then it turns out to be a little difficult, you know. If you've ever been married for like 22 hours, you've probably had this type of reality check. You know, this is where our lives intersect with the lives of Jesus' disciples this morning. Today's gospel reading picks up where we left off last week. Okay? The disciples are going into their next phase of training, the next point in their education. They've been with Jesus for a while, and they've seen him do the stuff. Preach the gospel, cast out demons, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, etc., etc. Now it's their turn. It's, uh, it's their internship. It's practicum time. It's time for some OJT. And Jesus is sending them out into the towns and villages of Israel to do what Jesus does. And that sounds very exciting. They're very excited about this. But you have to read all of chapter 10 together to get the kind of whole picture here. We only heard half of it, which wasn't really that thrilling. Take it as a whole, not so much. 
Because altogether, it sounds like Jesus is sending these people into a war zone full of forces and people who will oppose them and their kingdom efforts and ministerial efforts at every corner. He tells them that he's sending them out as sheep into the midst of wolves. That people will sell them out to the authorities, both of their own people and the Roman authorities as well. And that they will be interrogated and some will be beaten and some will be tortured so that they would cease their ministry, stop proclaiming this Jesus in his kingdom and healing and doing works of wonder in his name. And some of the people that will betray them will be members of their own family. Parents will betray children. Children will betray parents. Siblings will betray siblings even to death. Jesus said, you will be hated by all because of me. Because you belong to me. They will hate you. If they call the master of the house the devil, how much more will they malign those of his household? He says, don't think I've come to bring peace, at least not yet, to earth. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. Well, what do you mean by that, Jesus? He means that not everyone's going to want me. And not everyone's going to want what I offer. There will be those who will respond to my invitation of love with humility, and there will be those who will reject my invitation to love with hostility. This is how Jesus presents to his students what they're about to experience. And I have to respect Jesus' educational style and leadership. I really do, because he doesn't pull any punches here. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't want them going out thinking they're going to be John Wayne. He tells them what they will encounter before they sign up. He gives them the reality check beforehand. Now, we have to acknowledge that Jesus is speaking to a community who will suffer actual, tremendous persecution, which included social ostracism and physical harm, and for many, even martyrdom that they witness to their faith in Jesus to the point of death, to execution. And so at first glance, we as modern-day Americans could hear the stuff and be like, well, that's not really relatable, you know? I mean, your boss telling you to remove the fish from the bumper, uh, it's not really persecution, not compared to what these people dealt with, right? However, there might be people under the sound of my voice and we don't know, might end up in a place in the world where it is not popular to say the name of Jesus. Those places do exist. It's dangerous. There might be persecution. It might be systematic persecution. But most of us, that's not going to be the case. But you know, regardless, most of the persecution that happens to followers of Jesus, you know where that happens? here, right within the walls of the church. Let's not forget that all the first Christians were Jewish. They were all Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. And so the, they were initially persecuted by whom? Their Jewish brothers and sisters. Technically, it started out as an in-house affair. And how does that look like now? It's not the 1500s. We're not killing each other. Not physically. 
But it happens today. It happens when certain people in the church respond to Jesus' call to kingdom proclamation or kingdom ministry in a way that might be different or untraditional or new. And that others in the church, well, they don't like that because that's not the way we've always done it. Or maybe time and energy and focus is now being directed elsewhere and not on them. Most is because it might attract different kind of people that aren't like them. And they don't want to love people that aren't like them. And so there's persecution that happens. It still happens in families. In certain families, there's division over Jesus. Could be one member meets Jesus, gives their life to him. But everybody else, they don't, they don't like Jesus. And that causes tension. What is this new person? Going, why are they going to this place? Do they, do they join a cult? All they talk about is this Jesus guy. It makes us feel uncomfortable. We don't like this. We don't think that happens? That happens all the time. Or one member in the family changes a Christian tradition or changes their understanding on something or has a new higher level of spiritual fervor or zeal. Like for them, they put Jesus as number one. But everybody else in the house, Jesus is maybe a two and a half or or a four. And that causes problems. That causes tension. And therefore, there's persecution. And even if everything on the outside is absolutely fantastic and you're winning awards for being a Christian, there's still an internal element to what Jesus is saying here this morning. What do I mean? There are parts within you and there are parts within me that respond to Jesus' invitation and to life and love with him that we would just want to give ourselves over to him. And then there are some other parts in me and in you that want nothing to do with him and what he has to offer. Paul referred to this tension as the spirit versus the flesh. Some other people have called the flesh the ego. It's the part of me that refuses to be who God created me to be, that rejects God's invitation into life, into love, into wholeness, in relationship, and slaps his hand. At times, it can feel like a war going on in here. All in all, Jesus, this Jesus thing doesn't seem like a cakewalk, does it? You know, this is what happens in the summertime, in the season after Pentecost. This is when all the hard stuff that Jesus says that we don't really hear during the year, but good for most people because they go up to North Carolina in the mountains or they go on vacation, they don't have to hear it. But guess what? If you work at a church, you got to preach this stuff. So good for us. It doesn't sound easy. On the contrary, it sounds really difficult. It sounds really hard. There's going to be a baptism today. We're very excited about that. We're like really excited about that. Which, among other things, opens up an opportunity for confirmation, if you so choose to do that. And for those who have been confirmed, know this. There is a ritual in the confirmation ceremony where the bishop places the hand on the confirmand and slaps them in the face. Now, It's not a backhand and the bishop's not winding up. It's a love tap. It's a little tap, a little cute little tap. I'm sure 500 years ago they were slapping people in the face as hard as they could. But, you know, things have softened. It's symbolic. 
is supposed to symbolize something, that this Christian life, this walk with Jesus, isn't always easy. So why do it? Why say yes to Jesus and his invitation into life and love with him? Why say yes to Jesus' call on your life to participate with him in manifesting his love and kingdom and presence in the world in your own unique way? Why say, I will, to the questions in baptism? And we're all going to say that again today. And we will say, we will, on behalf of the baptized. Why? If it's not going to be easy, if things are not always going to work out the way you want them to, the way you imagined, the way you planned, if Jesus isn't going to fix every little aspect of your life and make it perfect, why say yes to him? I'm not going to tell you why. Not because I'm lazy or because I haven't done it before. It's because it's personal. It can't be what Father Rick said or Father Greg said or what Father Quigg said in 1974 or what Father Bauman said in 89 or what Billy Graham said on the TV that you read in the textbook. It has to come from in here. Why? Because you need to take ownership of your why. Why did you say yes to Jesus, and why do you still say yes to him even when everything in you wants to say no? And maybe some of you have never said yes to him, and that's okay. Maybe today's the day that you're actually honest and you say, oh, here's why. Or if you don't know why, you can ask Jesus. He'll tell you lovingly, gently, and compassionately. Here's why. We must ask ourselves this question because when, not if, but when... Things don't go our way. Things don't work out the way we wanted. Especially this, especially if we believe that we are responding in faith to something that Jesus might be asking of us. In my experience, every single time, not four out of five, five out of five, every single time I responded to what I believe Jesus might be calling me into, it did not work out the way I wanted. It didn't. It didn't look like how I imagined it. It was hard and it was difficult. But as a friend often says to me, just because it's painful doesn't mean it's wrong. And just because there's difficulty in response to what Jesus might be calling you to do, it's probably an indication that you hit the mark. Because it's hard. And through the hardship and the difficulty, Jesus does something new in us and changes us and forms us. He's not causing the problem but he redeems it and he uses it. So when that happens, you got to ask yourself why. You're, you're getting baptized today. You have a reason why. You're not a baby, a chubby little infant being held over the baptismal waters. You're coming of your own volition. You're going to say yes and to these questions on your own. Now, you and I haven't had a coffee one-on-one -on -one talk and you haven't shared your life story. I would love to hear it. I'm making an assumption that you have a reason. And there's, maybe it's because you met Jesus and he showed up to you and he sought you and he found you and you experienced his love and compassion and it changed your life. 
and his voice is beckoning you to the waters. That's an assumption. It doesn't have to be that. But there's a question for you. Why do you say yes? That's a question for everyone. Having your reality check beforehand, why say yes? Why sign up for something you already know isn't going to be like the movies? That won't be easy. The answer to that question lies within your heart. So if you actually think about this for two seconds, or to go to another step, if two of you are eating food, and you actually have a discussion and reveal the reason for the hope within you, as Peter says, then I think the sermon did its job. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.